Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Hallelujah. There we go. So that's just a little reminder of how things used to be. Amen. I just want to say how grateful I am for the, the giving and gifting teams and a community of people that have gathered together under, of course, the name of Jesus Christ, but with one purpose of seeing a community come under his banner, come under his love, come under his mission. Amen. And know we appreciate that the Bible was correct when it says that each of us has a role, has a part. Amen? And I'm thankful for your part today. If you don't know your part, I pray that God's Spirit would speak to you and that each of us as living stones would find ourselves in the place that God has for us in this community and what He's doing because the Lord is still moving on the earth. Amen? He's still saving, he's still delivering, he's still building his church, and the gates of hell's not prevailing. And so if you hear in your mind predominantly that hell is winning, I assure you, you're not hearing the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is still filling vessels to be used to manifest Christ, to reveal his love and his grace on the earth today. Amen. Well, praise his name. Well... I am just thankful for the opportunity to share with you today from God's Word and His heart for us as a community and to each of us. You know, last week as we kicked off the new series titled The DP Strategy, uh, Pastor Craig beautifully delivered a message titled Gathering. And uh, just to get us back in focus on what we're looking at this month, you got to understand that our gathering, which is what you're at right now, serves what we call the DP Go. What's some ways that gathering and what you're experiencing right now serves the DP Go? Well, first, what's taking place right now helps serve your going into the secret place throughout the week. As you come and you get strengthened in your spirit, you get strengthened by the brothers and sisters around you that each day throughout the week you're going into your secret place talking with the father to the father and spending time with him the gathering serves you're eating his food throughout the week you come in and you begin to eat of his word and you begin to remember his goodness despite what you're facing despite what you have been through and it stimulates and it and it encourages you to eat his food throughout the week. The gathering right now, where you're at, serves the DP Go by serving your awareness and your consciousness of his presence that is with you throughout the week. If you come in and you begin to focus on the manifest presence of God and the truth that he is with you, you're his child that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, and it serves that as you go, this week, you go with an awareness that he dwells in you and walks among you. The gathering serves your strength in God throughout the week. That you don't start the week depleted, but you start the week finding your source and your strength in him. Amen. The gathering helps serve your pause. 
to hear the principal command, the now word. The word of the commander, Jesus Christ, to his community. You understand that Jesus Christ has a word for us as a body. He has a word for us as a local church. See, listen to me. The church is God's house. God's house is God's people. And a local church is God's people locally gathered under the name Jesus Christ for his mission. When we gather together, God wants to speak to you, but he also wants to speak to us as a community. He's got a now word. He is our leader. He is our commander of what he is saying to us for this season and how he wants to use us and live through us. See, gathering, whether you understand it or not, as you see the strategic icon of the strategy, the gathering also serves your growing And that's what I want to begin to focus in on today, the theme. In fact, I want to teach a message to you titled today, Growing, Growing. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord over this place. He's Lord over these people. I thank you, Lord, that you purchased them through your blood. And I just pray that each of us would surrender, would acknowledge, would live under the reality of your lordship in our life and in this community. I thank you that the enemy, the strong man's been bound, and I thank you by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to plunder. You're going to plunder the enemy's camp. Plunder areas today where the enemy thinks he can keep people bound. Plunder areas in people's mind that continues to allow lies and insecurities and, and jealousies and wrong thinking and hurts to try to hide and abide. We thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I thank you, Lord, for building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I pray, Jehovah Nisi, you'd surround us today with your manifest presence and with songs of deliverance, you'd begin to set people in a broad place on the path of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, we thank you. You who began a good work will begin to bring it to completion. So we look to you. We seek you, focus on you. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. You know, the only place I have ever experienced so many people okay with the lack of growth has been in religious context. There's no other context. When I worked outside of the context of the local church, it was not a place that was okay with the lack of growth. In schools, in colleges, it's a context that's not okay with a lack of of growth. But so often in religious contexts, you find people that are okay with a lack of growth. Think about when you look around the things that have always been. Trees, trees grow. Birds, birds grow. The grass, the grass grows. Babies grow, animals grow. What does this mean? It means the things that God has created has been designed for growth. It's the same for me. God has designed and created me for growth. It's the same for us who are here today that God has designed and created us for growth. It's the same for you today that God has designed and created you for growth. This is what the Apostle Paul makes clear in Colossians 2 beginning in verse 6. 
So I want to use this to begin to, to frame the, the heart of uh, the theme today of growing. Paul writes to the believers there in the church. And he says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, bounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. The first thing you need to see that if you have received Christ, have acknowledged that He is Lord, that you are designed and called to grow. Notice He says that you're not only to be a follower of Jesus Christ, not only to be rooted in Jesus Christ, but you are to be built up in Him. You are to be established in the faith, the way of what following Him, a life of following Him looks like. And the first thing then you got to understand is you must be taught. That's what he says. Notice he says that you'll only be established in the faith. You'll only be built up in the faith of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ under his lordship as you have been taught. So if you must be taught to reach what God has planned and designed for you, then the first thing you must accept today is you first must sit down. You need to sit down first. See, a seed before it can grow must be planted. And you, before you can grow according to the way God's designed it, must sit down. You got to get planted in a place that can teach God's word to you and help you understand how he's designed growth to happen, how he's designed you to grow, what he has for you. You not only must be taught, you must sit down. In fact, I think about what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. Listen, God's called you to to chop down some trees in order to plant trees of righteousness. God's called you to chop down some trees of the enemy's strongholds and lives around you and, and cities and to plant churches and trees. But to first do that, you got to sit down and sharpen your axe. you got to first sit down and be taught on the way and the design and how God has created life and life in Christ to work. See, what many of us need today and what all of us need at some time is we need a wisdom tooth extraction. Now, I don't know... How many of us here have had our wisdom teeth extracted? You're looking at one here. In fact, it's the only time, even in the wildest of my days of drugs and alcohol, it's the only time in all my life that I was conscious enough to remember that I cussed my mother. (laughs) We got home after having all four wisdom teeth cut out, and she was talking on the phone. While my appeals were waiting at the pharmacy to deal with the pain that was talking in my mouth. And I was so in pain, I cussed my mother. I've asked for forgiveness. I've had to ask for forgiveness for a lot of things that happened in the early days to her. We're on good terms, but praise the Lord. Reconciled. 
But you know, when you have wisdom teeth instruction, you don't get your wisdom teeth removed while you're running around. While you're standing up, pursuing your own things. You got to sit down. You got to lay down. Many people need to get knocked out because they're so resistant. Listen to me, what am I talking about? I'm talking about that we need to first sit down and, ha- and have the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of men and the wisdom of religion pulled out of our mind, pulled out of our heart. We need to get into an environment where we'll sit down and let God some people that's already been where you're at in growing, been when you're at in following Jesus, and use them for a wisdom tooth extraction. That they can begin to extract out of your mind the thinking of the world. That they can begin to be used of God to extract out of your mouth the talking and the filthiness and the corruption of the world and the enemy. We need a wisdom teeth extraction. And for many of us, it's not just the things of the world, but it's the things of religion. We need to get the ideas and the philosophy. Notice what Paul said in Colossians 2. You beware, lest you be cheated from growing. Lest you be cheated from being established. Lest you be cheated from God's best and how He's designed your life to work in Christ by the philosophies and the traditions of men. We got to first sit down. We need a wisdom teeth extraction. We got to have the wrong philosophies pulled down and pulled out of our mind. We got to have the wrong thinking and the traditions of men pulled out of our thinking and our life. See, for some of us, what this means is we got to sit down and take off the glasses that have been put on us. See, when you wear glasses, everything you see in life, you see through those lens. And some of us have had the traditions of religion and the traditions of the world put on our our perceptions, and we're seeing life through the wrong lens. You're seeing life through the wrong thinking. You're seeing life through the wrong filter. We need to sit down and exchange those religious glasses, those worldly glasses, for the ability, as Paul prayed for every believer, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would be able to really know him and see him, because only when we truly see him and know him can we be changed into his likeness and grow into his image in our character, in our pursuits, in our mindsets, in our emotions, in our desires, in our behavior and the things that he's called us to grow in. Paul said, you must be taught to be established. And to be taught to be established, you need to sit down. You need a wisdom teeth extraction. Paul prayed for the Galatians that Christ would be formed in them, that he would increase in them. See, listen to me. We are a people, a church planning movement, that is called to grow Timothy's. And because we want to be clear that we also empower women, we also are called to grow some Tanisha's. Amen. That was the best T word I could think of. You got to understand, that's just who I am. But listen, in 2 Timothy 1.13, listen to what Paul says. He tells Timothy, he says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Then 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things that you have heard from me, 
Notice that. You got to hear them. To hear them, you got to first be taught them. But to be taught them, you got to first sit down in a context that can teach you and you can hear them. Notice there needs to be a context to be taught. There needs to be a context that can be used to facilitate God's purpose of your growing. There needs to be a context where you can hear the pattern of sound words. Notice Paul told Timothy, there is a pattern of sound words. There is a pattern to sound teaching. See, listen, only after you have heard them and received them can you do what Paul tells Timothy to do, hold fast to them. See, the reason people can't hold fast to the pattern is that they've never first sat down and learned the pattern. Listen, the question you got to begin to ask yourself today is what am I holding fast to? Because you're holding fast to something. And the truth of the matter is, is everything is clear in the kingdom. Because when we don't hold fast to the pattern of sound words, then our life doesn't lead to demonstrating the growth that God's designed for us. We'll have growth, but the wrong kind of growth. See, only when you first have a context to hear the pattern of sound words, to be taught the pattern of sound words, can then you hold fast to the pattern of sound words. And listen, only once you learn to hold fast to the pattern of sound words are you able to commit the pattern of sound words to others. You can't commit to others what you yourself haven't committed to hold on to. This is what Paul is saying. And we're a church that grows Timothy's and Tanisha's to learn the pattern of sound teaching, to get to the place where they learn to hold fast to it. See, listen, without this, there can be no multiplication. Paul here is telling you how kingdom multiplication happens. you got to have some Timothy's that have learned the pattern of sound words, that are holding fast to the pattern of sound words, because only then can they pass it on to others who will learn it, hold fast to it, and then pass it on to others. Without no clear pattern, you can't commit anything to others. Listen, when there is not a submission to what Acts 2 calls apostolic doctrine, what Paul calls here the pattern of sound teaching, then everybody does what's best in their own eyes. Nothing is consistent. Nothing is memorable. Nothing is transferable. Nothing is repeatable. And what that means is there is therefore no reproduction and multiplication of the kingdom. Yeah, can there be some reproduction of the traditions of men? Yeah, can there be the reproduction of some idea that someone had and some crazy vision and something of the word? Yeah, listen to me. This is a great illustration of what took place up on the stage in the beginning. Is when people can't hear then everybody begins to have to do what they feel they need to do. And there's no unison. When we all don't hear what God has already said through the pattern of sound teaching, then you got people off doing their own thing. They want to teach their thing. They want to say their thing. Listen, your thing will never come about until you learn how to hold on to his thing. Whatever your your teaching is that excites you, the vision or the the thing that God's given you, that special revelation of, you know, something in the book of Leviticus. Listen, that's not going to come about and bless anyone until you first learn to get in a context and sit down and get your vision and get your hands and get your teeth 
sharpened to what God has already established. See, you know why Paul could send a Titus to Crete? Because Titus had learned to sit down and receive the pattern of sound teaching. And he learned it to the level that he was able to hold fast to it. Listen, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing as you're out there in life and you're dealing with people that are ungrateful and unloving and, and, and full of bitterness and living for self and don't care about you and talk about you. It's another thing in that context to still hold fast to it. But you know what I found, Zay? I found when I began to hold fast to the pattern of sound teaching, I found out it began to hold fast to me. See, when you begin to hold fast to what God's already said, then in the moments of stress, in the moments when you want to do your own thing and dictate your own life, you'll find the Word of God holding fast to you. You'll find that there's an anchor that is able to keep you, able to hold you, able to keep you stable and established in the way of following Jesus Christ. Can anybody testify that when you finally begin to hold fast to the pattern of sound teaching, then the pattern of Jesus Christ began to hold fast? to you see Paul could send Titus to set things in order and appoint elders who according to Titus 1 9 look who would also hold fast to the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict notice it's the faithful word we're not trying to make up words today we're not trying to make up our own plans today. We're not trying to make up our own teaching today. There's already an established word. And when we'll get into context and learn the established word, then the established word will establish our hearts. It will establish our lives. See, Titus could be sent because he had been taught the pattern. He learned to hold fast to the pattern. We're going to send out Timothy's and Titus's that have grown to hold. See, listen, you got to grow to hold. you got to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ that you have grown to the place to hold fast to the pattern of sound teaching. Look at this. In 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught. So you can't hold fast to that which you weren't taught. Or let's put it this way, you can't hold fast to the right traditions unless you have been taught the right traditions. Whether by word or epistle, verse 16, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Notice that. God wants to comfort you on this journey. And as he comforts you, it's to help motivate you to allow him to establish you in every good word and work. But here's the question. How does the Lord Jesus and God the Father establish his people? What is one of the ways, the primary ways that he establishes them towards every good word and work? Listen to me. Through Timothy's. Through Tina's. That's how he does it. Because look at 1 Thessalonians 3.1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, watch this, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. How does God establish us? By sending Timothy's, 
But he can't send Timothys if they haven't first learned to sit down and learn the pattern. Haven't grown enough in grace to hold fast to the pattern in the midst of everything else that's taken place in life and have learned to be intentional to commit the pattern of sound words to others. And what does Timothys use to establish God's people? The pattern of sound words. They've grown to hold fast to the right kind of traditions. Notice what Paul said. Brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which you were taught. Listen, this isn't local church traditions. This isn't man's traditions. These are the traditions of what the way of following Jesus Christ looks like. These are kingdom traditions. These are things that are passed down once and for all to the saints. These are the unchanging things about Jesus' strategy and Jesus' movement on the earth. He says, hold fast to that. Hold fast to the faithful word. So the first point is this. You got to grow to hold. You got to grow to hold. You know, I'm over the lake life. Go ahead and tell you. I've almost drowned twice in life. So one in the ocean, one in the lake. Maybe that's why I'm more of a... If someone had on Facebook, where should, we get to go away on vacation. Where should we go? Ocean or mountains? I said mountains. <laughs> Just trying to help them out. But you know, early on, learning to ski, learning to kneeboard, later learning to wakeboard, you had to grow to a point that though you were shaken, there's vibration and there's resistance. You had to grow to the point where you held on to that rope. And only your ability to grow to the place that you held on to the rope would get you through that initial resistance. And after that initial resistance, for some, it was smooth skin. Listen, you got to grow to hold. Secondly, you got to grow the group. This was the strategy of Jesus. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, you find this statement in Mark 1.32 early on. At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. It's an amazing thing. The whole city's gathered at the door. What a spiritual significant passage because Jesus later says, I am the door. Here is a whole city gathered before the door or the way back to the Father, back to the Creator. But here's the points I want us to understand because Jesus makes this very clear in His ministry. First, you can have a whole city gathered together, but that does not necessarily mean they have entered through the door of Jesus Christ. Listen, numbers alone don't impress me. You can have a whole city gathered, and that doesn't mean that they've entered through the door of Jesus Christ. They may be entered through man's traditions, entered through the philosophies of men, but not necessarily entered through Jesus Christ. Secondly, we need to understand from this verse that you can have a whole city gathered together and people still not necessarily be growing to maturity in Christ. Not growing to hold fast to the pattern of sound words. Nor not growing to the place that they group. Notice what Jesus did in his ministry. In Mark 1 and 16. Because Jesus obviously, every spiritual gift, gift of wisdom, discernment, 
through dependency on the Holy Spirit, knew the hearts of men. He knew what people were reasoning even before they said things as he depended on the Spirit. He knew what was taking place. He knew that a whole city could gather, not yet necessarily entered through him or be growing. And notice then what Jesus does in his ministry. Mark 1.16, And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Notice what Jesus says. Follow me, and I will make you become something that currently you're... You're not. Yeah, you can fish for fish, but you don't know how to fish for people. Here's the thing Jesus is saying. Come follow me into this process of growth. You're designed to grow. And I got a process designed to make you grow. To make you become fishers of men. See, this is a growth that's designed to serve our goal. It's designed to serve my goal. It's designed to serve your goal. To become fishers of men as we're going through life. This is one of the core values of dwelling place. The maturity journey. That we're on the journey of following Jesus Christ. And if we'll keep following him, he'll make us into fishers of men. Listen to me. Personally, everything can't stay the same old thing. And us experience new growth. Change requires change and there is the catch. Some of us spend more effort, energy, time and money resisting change. Than allowing God to do what his grace would do in our life. Let him not only grow us to hold but grow to group. What am I talking about? Listen. Jesus will do the changing if you will do the following and the allowing. Jesus will do the changing if you'll do the following and the yielding. Listen, if I'm not changing, then I'm no longer following. Listen to me. If you're no longer changing, then you're no longer following. Jesus didn't just say, get regenerated, get born again. He said, follow me. Now he's got to do a work of grace and a miracle that none of us can do based on our good works to even start the journey. He's got to make us a new creation. He's got to give us a new heart, a new capacity to be able to receive his word and bear fruit, to become cleansed, to be a vessel of honor, a temple of the Holy Spirit. But then we have to keep following him. And he says, if you'll follow me, I'll keep making you. You'll keep becoming more and more something that you're not currently manifesting and demonstrating. And when they were following him, it leads to this moment in Mark chapter 6, 37. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Give them something to eat. See, these people have been following him. Following him. It's getting late. The disciples say, send them away. They're hungry. Jesus said, no, you give them something to eat. He, Jesus, says to the disciples, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Watch verse 39. Then he commanded. Did he suggest it? He commanded them to make them all sit down in groups. 
The disciples had followed Jesus to this place, and now he tells them, you see all these people that haven't eaten? You ever been around people that haven't eaten? In America, dear God. You thought your co-workers had nasty attitudes. Let them go a little while without eating. (laughs) I was watching Duck Dynasty with my wife the other day, and Uncle Si went a while without his sweet tea. You thought he was weird without the sweet tea. Things got really weird and uncomfortable when he didn't have his sweet tea. Let people go without eating. And Jesus has the boldness to tell his disciples, you go tell those hungry folk that they got to sit down if they want to eat. What does this mean? First, let me speak to leaders. You got to let Jesus grow you to the place where you have a boldness in understanding how he's designed growth to take place. And you don't accept a mentality that says, you know what? It can just be me and Jesus. No, no, no. Your life has to be a demonstration and an obstacle to all of our individualistic tendencies that we make people sit down. Why? Because we understand that for them to grow to the next place in grace, Jesus is only going to feed them, nourish them, strengthen them if they sit down in groups. If they sit down in groups. So they sit down in ranks, hundreds, fifties. He looks up, he blesses it, sets it before them. Everybody's eat, field. They take up 12 baskets full of fragrant, uh, fragments of the fish. Listen, on the road to be made a fisherman, you have to be made to sit down in groups. On the road to be made a fisher of men, you have to be made to sit down in groups to eat fish. You got to sit down in groups, but it's not enough just to group together. We got to group together until we learn to eat fish together. What am I talking about? Well, listen, he makes them eat what he said they would be able to start catching. Listen, it is only in group settings. It's only as you spend time with people that you really begin to understand people. Sometimes the understanding is you can't understand people. (laughs) But that's understanding. Listen, when you sit down in groups and you eat fish and you learn to digest the things about others that rubs you the wrong way, You grow to be able to process internally different personalities and viewpoints of others, brothers and sisters. Only then can you grow to be able to reach more fish externally. Only when you learn to process internally the differences and the varieties of people's opinions and personalities are you able then to grow more to reach other people externally. You get a greater understanding of how God has created different personalities and different likes, different interests. It's very interesting because early on, I sort of bought in a little bit and, and, and people would say, well, you and you know, Pastor Craig are so much alike. But in this year, it's became even more and more apparent, times a thousand, that when it comes to things outside of the kingdom of God, we're extremely different. But here's why it blessed me. 
Because we just did a video in, in a while back and put it out. Because we're getting other pastors and leaders interested on what a team model of leadership looks like. And, and leading a church. And I was beginning to think, you know, some people are going to say, well, I can't find any, anybody like me. And y'all are so much alike. And then it hit me. No, God's made it clear this year. Our like-mindedness is because we've learned to grow to hold fast to the pattern of sound words and hold fast to kingdom traditions. But outside of those things, we're very different. I mean, in the flesh, when it comes to basketball, we would literally have to fight and, and whoop one another every week. I mean, the, the team he likes, we have to hate. And so what am I saying? I'm saying, listen, when you grow to group, you are able to begin to grow in the spirit to process and digest things that don't taste right to you because that's why we have differences. But that grows you to be able to connect with other people better. You got to grow to hold. You got to grow to group. And this is why, as a church, we are a holistic model. That we don't just gather what we're doing here. But we grow to hold. But then we group because all of these things are things God's designed to serve your going through life fulfilling what God's created you for and your purpose in Christ Jesus. Like the disciples, we have to learn to feed those that's sitting down in groups. Some of you are leading connect groups and in this environment you're learning how to get people and make people sit down to receive Jesus Christ in a different way. They're used to hear, receiving Him through preaching because that's you listening and one person communication and you know you don't have to be transparent, you don't have to open up, but sitting down in groups, you begin to have to grow and experience Jesus in new ways. Listen, on the road to be made a fisher of men, you have to follow Jesus to the place that you're invited into what he's doing in a house. Let me show you these real quick. Mark 7, 17. When he had entered a house, everybody say house. Away from the crowd. His disciples. Who's in the house? His disciples. People that's still following him. They asked him concerning a parable. Mark 9, 28. And when he had come into the house, say house. His disciples. Who's in the house? His disciples. Those still following Asked him privately. Mark 10, 10. In the house. His disciples. Who's in the house? His disciples. Asked him again about the same manner. Mark 4, 33. Speaks parables to the crowd. As they're able to hear it. But in verse 34. Without a parable he did not speak to them. And when they were alone he explained all things to his disciples. Notice that growing took place in grouping. With what Jesus was doing in a house. Listen, here's why. God's grace wants to grow you enough to be able to look up and across into the face of another imperfect brother and sister in Christ. But you're still able to see the image of God being restored. God wants to grow you through grouping that you can look up into the face of another person who is completely different than you but you've grown to still see an image bearer 
of God and a vessel that has the treasure of Christ on the inside. Say, grow to hold. Grow the group. Three, grow to good works. Our vision is to manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. This is another way of saying manifesting Christ through many good works to many people. In 2 Timothy 3.17, Paul tells Timothy, he, he mentions, he says, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you know you can see our vision in this verse? Because Paul says that the people of God may grow to a place that they're equipped and prepared for every good work. That they grow to a place that they're able to manifest Christ in many ways through many good works. So we are to grow to the place that we grow to good works. We are said by Paul to be made complete, to be thoroughly equipped. And you know what Paul said right before this verse that we have been given? To serve this process of people being established and becoming complete? The Word of God, the Scriptures. That's what he says. The Scriptures are given. Because remember, there is a pattern. Also in Hebrews 10, 24, Pastor Craig mentioned this last week. He said, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Why? One of the reasons is in order to stir up love and good works. Notice that. In order to stir up love. You know why? Because love does. We gather to stir up each other for good works. We gather to stir up and encourage one another in love because love does. Love is not love until it acts. Love does. So listen. We assemble and gather and we group together to help serve the manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. You know what happens? You know the saying? Out of sight, out of mind. You ever heard about the man who got engaged before he was shipped off to war? And every day at war, he wrote a letter to his sweetheart, his fiancée. After many years of being away, he comes and he goes to his fiancée's home and knocks on the door and her mother answers. And he asks for his fiance. She said, oh, she's not here. He said, what do you mean she's not here? Oh, she, she no longer lives here. She, she's with so-and-so. You remember so-and-so? He said, wait a minute. I wrote her every day. And the mother said, yeah, but the mailman delivered your letter every day. She now has married him. What's the point? When we get around each other, we encourage one another to love. Texts are great. Phone calls are great. Words of encouragement are great. But when we gather together and group together, we stir up each other for the good works that God has for us. The good works that God has for us. Listen. Assembling together in sight is to stir each other's foresight. What does that mean? 
when we gather together and in our sight we see brothers, it stirs us up to have foresight of how can I go out and be intentional to do good works, to serve God's creation, humanity that he loves and cares for and desires to reach abundantly. Titus 3.8, Paul tells Titus as he's going to establishing people and setting things in order, he says, this is a faithful saying, these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God, watch this, should be what? Careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to me. And he says it again in verse 14, and let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. See, listen to me. Habits are easier to maintain than to establish. But they can never be established if you never start doing what you haven't been doing. Listen, once you have done the discipline of working out, like, you know, in your early years, and you establish muscle memory and a certain mass, it's a lot easier to maintain that than it was to get that. This is why so many people don't learn to maintain good works because they think that they're going to come down to the altar and my wife Michelle or Pastor Craig is going to lay hands on them and they're Mr. Good Works or Mrs. Good Works. I don't know. You have to start doing what you've not been doing in order to grow to the place to demonstrate good works. And once you grow to good works, then it's easier to maintain living a life of good works. Amen. Grow to hold, grow to group, grow to good works, and lastly, grow to go. Did you know the fact is you're already going? You're already going. It's like our monthly invite card says on the back. The world is going to and fro. People are scrambling from this event to that commitment and on to the next errand. It's called the tyranny of the urgent. We, like you, are no different. We all have a lot going on. The problem arises when where we are going, how we are going, and the way we are going is never considered. For those who desire to follow Jesus, we need seasons to look at the issue of our going in light of where, how, and the way we are going individually and also as a community. Jesus has a strategy for you, for his kingdom, for Dwelling Place Church. This is what we're looking at all month, the DP Go. See, listen, you're already going through life, friend. The questions, however, is this. Is your current going hindering you from growing? Is our current going hindering us from growing? Is our current going keeping us from gathering? Is our current going not allowing Jesus to make us sit down in groups? Let me ask it this way. Is your current going keeping you from gathering? Is your current going not allowing Jesus to make you sit down in groups? Because hear me, if you allow the world to make you go at its pace, then you will never grow at God's pace. If you allow the world to make you go at its pace, then you will never grow at God's pace. There are still people that think I'm busy. 
and I just smile. Busy is a word that sounds like you don't have the ability by the power of God to make decisions to lead life. When you received the gospel, you received Christ and he gave back to you what we lost in the ability. He gave us back the ability to respond. It's called responsibility. The ability now. See, I was broken before. I couldn't really choose to respond because what sin had done to me made me respond in defense mechanisms and out of anger and out of hurt. But the gospel will bring you back and establish you to the place where you have the ability to respond. See, you don't want your going right now in life to keep you from having moments to sit in a gathering, to sit in growth phases to be taught, to sit in groups with others and to be stirred to good works. God has grace and the power of His Holy Spirit to grow us to the place that we can be intentional on the DP Go. Did you know that these right here, these monthly invites, are intended to serve you in the DP Go? They're intended to serve you as you're going through life to more readily and easily be intentional on the DP Go and invite people. See, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There is a special manifest presence and anointing on believers who follow the commander's command. He said, lo, I'm with you. Those that are making disciples. There's a lot of people out making, but they don't have actually the hand of Jesus coming on their hand and what they're making. They're making idols, even in the name of Jesus. Here's the key, though, you got to understand. As you're going is what it actually says in the Greek. Going's not a command because everybody's going in life. But as you're going to the bank, be intentional with the DP go and make disciples. As you're going through Kroger, Kroger, be intentional and make disciples. As you're going through the mall, be intentional and make disciples. As you're going through life, be intentional and make disciples. As you're going through the schools, as you're going through the hall, dorm halls, be intentional to make disciples. See, as you are going, make disciples. Listen to me. You don't have to add new task if you will take your existing task and add new intentionality. I'm going to say it again. You don't have to add new task to your schedule. If you will take your existing task and add new intentionality. I'll remember when God began to deal with me about the DP Go. And I began to look at my life and say, what are the, the constant rhythms and tasks in my life? You know what one was? Going to the bank. So I take Jesus' money to the bank. My kids are still figuring out, well, why does Jesus' money go to the bank? Well, that's just where Jesus said, he actually said, at least put my money in the bank. Get at least a little interest. You need to study that out. He said, at least do that in your stewardship. But here's what I began to realize. I'm already going to the bank. And I began to find out that the tellers every time, you know what they'd ask me, Zay? They'd say, how are you doing? They ask me how I'm doing. Normally say, oh, I'm fine. No, no. They just asked me how a man that's been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous light of God is doing. 
They just asked a man that was filthy in sin and bondage of drugs and alcohol that's been delivered by the anointing of God and cleansed by the blood of Jesus how he's doing. You know what I began to say? I began to say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I said, oh, you don't understand how grateful I am. That after all the wrong I've done, the Lord's forgiven me. I began to say, man, I'm so grateful that God in His grace gave, has given me his, his wisdom and ability that all my bills are paid. I began to highlight the goodness of God to a young woman every time she asked me. Many months passed. That was it. One day I'm walking into the beginning of the growth phases, the discipleship at another church. And I'm walking in and I see this young woman walking with her husband and a daughter. And I said, what What are you doing? She said, oh, we're here to go through the discipleship. I didn't change one thing in my schedule. What I changed was the intentionality that as I'm going, be intentional to make disciples. I think about times at Starbucks. How I'm doing what I do all the time is... One of the ways I serve people and serve community is I was there studying and reading and keeping my perceptions on the kingdom of God. And someone came by, what you reading? I happened to just be studying for growth phases. And I said, oh, there's this book here. And uh, we take people through it. You know, that's the moment I'm like, please don't turn it over. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a picture there. I don't want them to see the picture but so I can really communicate with them. And, and he said, man, you know, I, I've, I've grown up in the church, but I've never had a context where people would teach me and take me through the pattern. Well, you know what? That's why Thursdays exist. You're invited. Or what about the time as we're going to the Braves game and we're leaving? And if I've ever heard the, the Spirit of God use my son, who's seven years old, he was like, I don't know, three or four at the time. And we were going and he saw a homeless man asking for money. And I walked past him and my son said, Daddy, help him. It's the DP go. We stopped in our tracks and went, helped him. It's the DP go. The Holy Spirit all around is saying, help them, help them. You got the word of salvation in your mouth. You have the testimony that is the testimony of Jesus and His grace on the DP go. Be intentional. In conclusion, I want to talk about two sons. Jesus talked about two sons in Matthew 21 and 28. He said, but what do you think a man had two sons? Everybody say two sons. And he came to the first and said, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Listen, when is the second best time to start going in the DP go? Now. It doesn't matter how long you held fast to the traditions of men, held fast to the tradition of men, that it's okay just to gather. No, no, some of you are growing just to be consistent to gather. But some of you gather consistently. It's time to grow, to hold. You need to get in growth phases. Thursday, it's not too late, right here, 7 to 9 p.m. Some of you have grown to gather and grown to, to grow, and now you need to grow to group. Some of you have been 
grown to gather and grown the group and, and, and uh, been in growth phases and you're serving, now it's time to grow in the DP go. And it doesn't matter how, how many years you originally said, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll follow you into the vineyard. I'll follow you to those that are hurting. I'll follow you to be a testimony of your grace. For the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. But then you didn't go. Listen, it's okay. Because God's got mercy and grace. and He can cleanse you and He can fill you with the power of His Spirit. That though you first said you would go and you didn't, guess when the second best time to start going is? Now. And this is the thing. God has designed to use you in your go. Yeah, you. You who don't have it all figured out. You who, who, who's not Mr. and Mrs. Perfect Saint. This is how God has designed the kingdom to grow. is through our go. Your go. And when you start seeing His design and the greatness of His sufficiency... You won't be so obsessed and focused on your insufficiency and weakness. Because he puts the treasure in earthen vessels so the people are clear that it's not about the vessel. It's about the treasure he put in the vessel. And I'm telling you as a church and a movement, as long as we'll let the treasure that he's put in our vessel go forward, listen to me, on the authority of God's word, Ephesians 3.20, he'll do more than we could ever imagine or ask. He will manifest Himself through us right here beyond we could ever imagine or ask. He'll do more than we could ever think that's possible because it's not about the vessel. It's about the treasure of Christ in the vessel. I read a story about a father who thought it was too late says this man was so busy building his house that he didn't have any time to plant trees. When he finished the house, he became occupied with his job. Couldn't take time away to plant trees. He met a woman at work. They married and had a daughter. His life became busy with his family that he didn't have time to plant any trees. One summer day, he was outside playing in his backyard with his daughter. The bright sun was making them both very hot. Daddy, she said, looking up with her hand on her forehead to shade her eyes. Why don't we have any trees in our yard? He thought about it when his daughter asked, and he replied, I guess I was always too busy to plant any trees. I'm sorry I didn't plant any when I built the house, but it's too late now. For even the fastest growing trees would take at least five years to reach a height that would give us shade. To which his daughter replied, Daddy, in five years, I will only be 11 years old. I still want to play in the backyard with you then, and I still want shade from the trees then. So you're right, Daddy. The best time to plant trees would have been when you built the house. But the second best time to plant those trees is right now.
The second best time to grow to the deep ego is now. The second best time if God's called you early on and you didn't realize to be a part of a church plan or a church planning team or to be equipped for five-fold ministry, the second best time to be equipped to prepare is now. And I don't want to be too busy to plant trees. I don't want to be too busy to see people gathered to Jesus Christ and led to biblical maturity for the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches. I don't want to be too busy to see Christ manifested in many ways to many people. And regardless of your yesterday, today is the second best time to grow, to hold, to grow, to group, to grow, to good works, and to grow, to go. Let's stand to our feet. And I want you to begin to pray, God, because he said, the first son said no, but then he went. And it says he went into the vineyard. Listen to me. All the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There's not a nation on this earth that's not already the Lord's vineyard. There's not a bank in this in this country that's not already the Lord's bank. There is not a Kroger in the world that's not already the Lord's vineyard. He came and he shed his blood. He allowed them to plow his back and to pluck his beard. And they pierced him between heaven and hell. That now he is Lord of all. And the DP go is when we walk into a place, we walk in knowing this is my Lord's vineyard. He's already put his footprint. He's already put his fingerprints. The Spirit of God's already been in here moving and working. And I just want to partner with the Spirit of God to what he's already doing in this vineyard. And he will use your DP go to cause people to go from darkness to light. Sin and filthiness to cleanliness. Make it your prayer now. Lord, let me see it all as your vineyard. Come on, let's worship for a moment. Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.